What is up, everybody? Welcome to It's In Season. It's a seasonal anime podcast, and we are right into fall 2017. I'm David. Cody's out this week, but Shay is here. What's up, Shay? Hi. How's it going? uh, Pretty good. Can't complain. Awesome. Now, before we actually started the show, right right in the pre-show, uh, you were talking about something that you just saw that just came out. We're going to jump into the shows that we're watching this season in a little bit. Uh, everyone knows uh, we're watching Kino's Journey, Evil or Live, and King's Game. But Shay, you got to see something in the theater uh, that we were talking about in the pre-show that I think y- you should share with everyone else. I know you you just released a video for it, so just tell us a little bit about what you just saw in the theaters and, and your review. Um, I just saw in theaters the Pokemon the movie I Choose You, um, and I just released a video for it, which is my review on the film. Um, it was a two-day event, so it came out November 5th and 6th, and I do say in my video that depending on where you are, it might air for an additional couple of days. I know where I am, it's airing for two other additional days as well, um, but pretty much it is the movie where you see when Ash first starts out on his journey, when he first meets Pikachu and gets his Pikachu. Um, so that's basically the main premise of the movie and how Ash now actually encounters Ho-Oh and you start to see that journey as well. Okay, so for us old heads that, that have been watching anime for about a thousand years, this is a cinematic retelling of the very beginning of Ash's Pokemon journey in the anime where he's in Pallet Town, he's late, but there is a Pokemon left over for him, and it's Pikachu. Now, in the beginning, what a lot of people may not remember is that in the beginning, Ash and Pikachu really didn't get along, did they? No. Originally, they did not like each other. Well, Ash liked Pikachu, but Pikachu needed to warm up to to Ash. And the funny thing is, is that th- this started off very screwball slapstick comedy but later on uh, after the events of the first few episodes and the movie they really grew close uh and in in the anime in the first episodes of the anime ash sees ho-oh the legendary pokemon but doesn't but we don't really dive into what all that's about about uh did did we get a little bit more uh into ho-oh in in this movie you get a lot more into ho-oh in this movie so pretty much you learn of also a legend regarding ho-oh and how it has to deal with three other legendary pokemon and i know everyone's probably thinking that's moltres articuno and zapdos but it's not it's actually about ante raikou and suicune those other additional legendary Pokemon. And it talks about how those legendary Pokemon came to be. Now, one thing that many people probably might remember with this actual movie is that it does not involve Brock or Misty. They are not in the movie. It actually brings in two other characters that are actually introduced. And I go over this a little bit more in my review about how the two new characters are kind of introduced. You don't know a whole lot about them, but they're just, they're there. Um, So yeah, it gives you that. And there's a lot more Pokemon in this movie. It's not the original 150, 151, if you want to add in Mew, but it also involves other Pokemon such as, you know, Piplup, Lucario, so many other Pokemon that were introduced with in the other regions in this movie. Okay, so we're seeing yeah. different Pokemon from the Kanto region. 
we're seeing mm-hmm. different legendary Pokemon. So they're deviating a little bit from the original story, which from is kind lot. of, yeah, uh, a lot. Uh, there is one particular moment we were talking about in the pre-show that I saw caused a little bit of controversy online, and it involved Pikachu in particular. Now, we don't have to spoil this too much, but there is a particular moment that I think deserves some attention, Shay. Yes. So there is a part towards the end of the movie where it's like at its climax, and Pikachu ends up talking. and actual scripted words and all i can say is when that happened the entire theater both those of us that were fans of the original and those people that probably brought their kids in there were completely and utterly shocked with actually hearing pikachu talk and along with that you also realize what gender pikachu actually is since that was something up for debate once it was released that Pokemon had genders. And I know for Pikachu, it was always hinted at or rumored at trying to figure out whether Pikachu was a boy or a girl. And in this movie, you then realize that what Pikachu's gender actually is. It might still kind of be up for debate since it wasn't actually said, but by the voice, you go towards one gender. Interesting. I I wonder what the fanfic writers will have to say about that going forward. I know, because so many fanfics depict Pikachu as this particular gender. So we'll see what happens now that this movie has been released. Um, one other thing about the movie that I can say that I also touch on in my review is that it's very hard in the movie to know what the concept of time is. Because it feels like everything goes so fast. Everything from the Pokemon evolving to him catching the Pokemon that he catches. And there's really only three Pokemon that are actually featured in the film that Ash actually has. Which is, of course, Pikachu. You also have Caterpie. And then you also have Charmander. So those are the only three Pokemon that he originally has in the original series that are featured in the film. And their evolutions are kind of not strange, but they feel like they come on a little bit too quickly, but you don't have the concept of time as far as how much time has actually passed. So it feels like in the span of the movie, it feels like it takes place over the span of a week, but you honestly don't know. Man. Well, that that's kind of appropriate for Pokemon since Ash has never really aged. Uh, and you might even say at some points he's gotten younger, depending so for for Pokemon to to never really give an indicator as a time is kind of mm-hmm. kind of standard. So it, it's yeah. one of those things that since it's for kids, nobody really thinks about it. But overall, yeah. Shay, uh, and we'll we always make sure everyone check out Shay's YouTube channel. Search for Shay Tari, Shay S H A Y T A R double e on the youtubes uh overall would you give poke this pokemon i choose you the thumbs up or the thumbs down i'll give it a thumbs up it was definitely enjoyable it had some very great emotional aspects and the nostalgia was definitely there because at least for me it's been a long time since i've watched a pokemon movie in theaters so being able to have that experience again as an adult and the last time i had that experience was as a kid is definitely was amazing And if you go see it in theaters, you actually get a Pikachu Pokemon card. Just like how when you went for the first movie, you got a Mew card. So that's fun. That's awesome. That is awesome. And once again, everybody, search for Shay Tari on YouTube and check out her review and all the other great videos that she does that you'll occasionally see me commenting on, too. Now, let's just jump into our anime for fall 2017. Uh, we're going to first start off with Kino's Journey. Uh, we're watching episodes three and four this episode. Uh, episode three of Kino was the bothersome country. Uh, it starts off, Kino is napping in a hammock when the ground suddenly begins to shake. The shaking grows stronger and a huge ashen country wall appears. Kino and Herm- Hermes are shocked at the sight of a moving country. 
When Kino gives Waving a hand to try, the moving country asks if the two would like to enter. They welcome Kino and Hermes in, and they spend several days abroad aboard the constantly moving country. Now, this was a really interesting episode because it was a bit of a departure from a typical Kino episode. Uh, with everything else with Kino's journey so far, it's Kino on the road traveling to a country. This one, it was the country traveling to Kino to where Kino decides to jump on board. Also, one of the, I guess you could say, rules of Kino's journey was that Kino would always stay in a town or, or a country for three days before leaving. But early on, Kino said, she said that she'll say for five to ten days, which was really, which was different uh, from Kino in the past. Uh, I found this episode to be okay. In my opinion, it might have been the weakest episode. I might need to go back and rewatch it. Uh, how about you, Shay? Yeah, I definitely have to agree that I would probably have to go back and rewatch this episode. I did find it kind of sweet in a strange way watching this episode just because of the kids that were involved in the mural that was being painted um, during this during the episode or during one particular part of the episode. So there were some sweet moments, I had to say, but it was an interesting episode. I have to agree with you. I found it to be not as good as episode four. I guess that's why I'm having such a hard time with this one. Maybe just, I guess my expectations of Kino are are a little higher than most because I, I loved the first series so much and the first two episodes were so good and I really liked episode four. But I find myself, and I and I know I watched it, I took notes, but I just find myself having a hard time retaining information from this episode episode three uh, I, I just remember it being kind of uh, i don't know if it was the pacing or if it just the the story of the country didn't quite hold me uh, beyond the country moving what was this one about really uh, for for you shay i honestly couldn't tell you like it's it was so weird because it's like it was the country moving, but then I remember the war scene where he, where Kino shot at the targets using the binoculars that she had. But it was kind of like an all over the place episode for me. Yeah, it, it kind of was. Just looking over my notes again, I didn't have a ton on this episode. I, I'm just going to say, well, I might just have to go back and rewatch this one really just to get a better idea of it. And we'll just go to episode four, which I, I can definitely say I really enjoyed more. And that that's going to be a theme for this episode for me. Uh, episode four. Uh, the ship country. Uh, Shizu and Riku are back and they arrive in a country known as the ship country. It sails from continent to continent trading goods and taking in travelers willing to work on the ship. The country's leader gives Shizu the job of overseeing the common people, but says he'd rather work alongside them. His wish is granted, and he's given a girl called T to be his guide. Um, Once again, uh, a real departure from what you normally expect from Kino. Uh, this one did not have Kino in it. It was Shizu and Riku, uh, the prince from the other country. Uh, and his pet, his dog, the, the talking dog, Riku. I can say that I really enjoyed this. Maybe I just needed a break from Kino and Hermes. I enjoyed seeing that this was, this was different. It, it was, it felt the same, but it was different. I think the only thing I really had a problem with was the girl. I think she's the only thing that kind of bugged me. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I think for me, I was definitely shocked to see Shizu and Riku again. And it was a good departure away from not having Kino in the episode until towards the end was when Kino basically showed it back up again. But it was a good departure. 
this episode did have a lot more exciting moments compared to the third one. And the little girl, Ty, she was interesting. And I didn't expect her to do what she did towards the end of the episode. One thing about Kino is that some people will complain that it's a little slow in its pacing and a little slow in its storytelling. But I've always told people that the reason it does that is because the show is so much about atmosphere and and vibe and how every country that Kino, or in this case Shizu, goes to has a story to tell. And people have a story to tell. So when when the action does come in, it really hits you. It's significant. And that makes it different from a lot of anime because a lot of anime will have really high-octane action going every single episode. And Kino has never been like that. But with this one, uh, it really did feel... It felt significant. It felt like the actions happening here, kind of like in the episode where we first got introduced to Shizu, when the action happened and when it really went into high gear, it all felt important. It all felt significant. It all felt like things happening in this country were going to change due to the events of the Travelers arising. I have to agree with you. I think for me, as someone that's not very familiar with Kino, um, because I didn't watch the previous Kino series. So for me, when I went into this with this this series, I didn't know a whole lot about Kino. And so it wasn't until when I started watching it, I agree. I I thought the pacing was kind of slow. Like it didn't catch my interest at first. And the series that I had to end up comparing it to to finally get an understanding of it was Mushishi because it's very much like Mushishi how each episode you want to know you want to know something funny Shay the funniest Mm -hmm. thing is I have watched Mushishi but I just can't get into it there really in the case of Mushishi as much as I like Kino Mushishi almost felt too slow it felt I even slower than episodes of Kino. Yeah, I think it's the talking of Mushishi. How Ginko talks. I think because Ginko takes so long to actually say words because he he talks so slow that it can definitely feel like that. But I think with the dip with the visiting of different cities is how I compared the two because since Kino is traveling and is every episode Kino's in another city that. That's how I compared it to Mushishi since Mushishi was very much the same of how each episode wasn't like a continuation of the last one. It was pretty much Ginko was now arriving in another city and then conquering, not conquering the city, but basically helping the city to get through whatever their dilemma is. And that was how I was able to kind of be like, oh, okay, I see how this is going. Because like you said, most anime series are not like this they're kind of like a continuation with an ebb and flow of a of a storyline whereas with this one each episode is like its own individual storyline while you're still learning about the main character or any other characters that might get introduced if they're recurring and i imagine as it goes along we'll get a little bit more of Kino's backstory because you got that in the originals, the original anime. You got to find out about Kino's backstory as the story went on. Um, we'll probably see more about Shizu and Riku later on too. But with episode four, I found myself more interested than episode three. Um, but I'm, I'm feeling like I might need to just go back and rewatch these two episodes just to get a better grasp of them because for whatever reason, this week, Kino didn't quite hold me as much as it has in the beginning and in the past. But I'll definitely give it a rewatch just to see how I'm feeling. But uh, I do want to... Uh, I have much more passionate opinions this week about our other two shows. And I'm glad we're we're talking about this because we're on episodes three and four of Evil or Live. 
And Shay, I, I don't know about you, but I always remember growing up when it came to watching new anime or watching anime by the season, it makes me think that, I don't know where this came along, but there was always this idea with every anime you watch, you need to give it three episodes before you drop it. And I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm from uh, an older generation, but I remember it being four episodes. I always remember hearing, if you give a show four episodes and it still doesn't do anything for you, that's when it that's when you can drop it. But for some time in between now and then, it became three episodes. Um, and I got to tell you, Shay, with both shows we're about to talk about, Episode four was really significant. Um, how, where do you stand on that? Because I always remember doing four episodes. How about you? For me, it took. I just recently got into like following series by seasons and keeping up with them. I was always the binge watcher, of where I would wait till a series completely was over and then just binge the crap out of it. And I was always the type where I would never drop a show. Like it had to be really, really bad for me to like really decide to drop a show. There's very few shows I've actually dropped just because I couldn't take it anymore. But I agree. I think it seems like a lot of people I know or from what I've noticed among the anime community is that a lot of people would wait until about maybe three or four episodes and then they would decide whether or not to actually drop it or stop watching it. Now, I will say, uh, let's jump into Evil or Live right now because... On the last podcast, uh, you, you could tell that Cody and I, we were really starting to tip in one direction when it came to this show, uh, Evil or Live. And with episode three, wow, I was, I was struggling, Shay. I was struggling with episode three. Uh, like f- just a few minutes in, it was like, oh my God, is this really happening? Th- this show, in, in its third episode, it was just, it wasted no time in going off the rails. It, it felt like it was trying to be a really raunchy comedy show where the kids are trying to escape from a prison. Sounds familiar, everybody, uh, other listeners of this show. It, it was starting to sound like that, and it was just like, oh, no, please don't, don't do this. Don't do this. And... Later on in the show, it's kind of like, okay, we we might be going somewhere. Uh, the characters, uh, we see Hibiki for a minute might not be a terrible dude, and then it turns out he kind of is. I, I think for a minute, Shiori might be okay, and then she isn't, and then Shin I don't like at all. Uh, and that's that's just where I'm at with starting with episode three. This is just the first few minutes where I was cringing hard, Shay. I was cringing hard. How about you? I have to agree, especially with episode three. I it took it struggled. I struggled with trying to get through it because I kept thinking it was gonna get better <laughs> with the entire time in episode three because I kept thinking like this is not at all what i thought this, this series is not was what be. we signed up for exactly i was like i was expecting some like mystery horror something similar to like dead man's wonderland and i'm not getting that in a weird way it kind of reminds me a little bit of just because i know that one series that I remember that you did not like that I have not seen yet is Prison School. But for me, in some ways, it also kind of reminds me of High School of the Dead. Even though High School of the Dead was very entertaining to watch because of the zombies, but the underlying tone of High School of the Dead, there was a lot of like etchiness that went on that you were like, this has nothing to do with what's going on. But I can watch this because of the zombies. And I feel like this series kind of has that. But there's no zombies and nothing else to take away from the other stuff that goes that happens during the the episodes or during the series. But at least we had some plot advancement, if nothing else. Yes. Uh, yes. Hibiki decides that he ends up in this new dorm 
and he realizes that he's going to have to help these guys because it turns out his new doormates, they're starving in this prison. So he has to help them. He originally breaks things off with Shin, saying, no, I'm not going to be your dog. I'm not going to do your bidding. I'm not going to follow your orders. And then he realizes he's kind of stuck. He has to help these other dudes in his dorm who are literally starving. They're malnourished. They're, they're not eating in the prison. This prison is, is terrible. It's, it's hell on earth. So I feel like Hibiki, he has these redeeming qualities. I want to like him. I really, really do. Because I feel like he he has something inside him that's not a terrible not a terrible person and is actually a really good protagonist, and I think we start seeing that more in episode four, which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, Shay, how did you feel about it? Like later on in episode three, where we see what Hibiki ha- is dealing with and what he has to do. Yeah, I thought the same. He started to become a little bit more of that like hero esque aspect to him it was like to me it was in a way it was like he kind of grew up a little bit because it felt like definitely with the first couple of episodes in the beginning towards the middle of episode three he was still like that funny trying to be funny character didn't know his way kind of was confused and now with the ending of like episode three he kind of like i want to say he grew up here like he kind of like realized that just what kind of situation he was in and what was really going on behind the scenes of this prison that he's pretty much in and how it's kind of messed up because he sees that his doormates are starving. And he also sees just how much his doormates in a strange way kind of depended on him and what lengths they would go to to eat. Because they were really depending on him and they were depending on whether depending on his decision of him being Shin's underling because that determined the food that they would eat. And that leads us into episode four. And okay, I'm going to go ahead and say this, Shay, with episode four, I think we have the show that we've been waiting for. Uh, episode four of Evil or Live had a major tonal shift. There was like no comedy at all. It was all action. It was all the characters really fighting to fight through this prison and deal with the instructors. And we see that Hibiki decides that he's going to be Shin's dog, but Shin gives him three tasks. Uh, and we don't quite hear the third one. Uh, one is become the class leader. Two is remove the discipline officer, Wudo. And just this whole episode, it's what I was saying in the beginning. I believe that if you hold out on an anime series until the fourth episode, you'll really get an idea of what they're trying to do. I won't say that this brought up some bad thoughts for me this episode but it was very reminiscent of my time in basic training when i was in the air force it was it was very much like that what i saw the students at the school going through it reminded me quite a bit of basic training when i was in the air force with the instructors they weren't as they weren't violent though they they thankfully were not violent but the the mental drain the physical drain the and you did eat pretty decently, so that that wasn't a problem. But just the whole landscape of how it went, how no phones, no electronics, just you're in school, you're constantly training physically, and just it's about wearing you down and wearing you down and wearing you down and then bringing you back up because right now, like the instructor said, you're the dregs of society and now we've got to rehabilitate you to be a, a productive member of society. It was it was very much like that uh, when I was in basic training, and it probably still is. That aside, I really liked this episode, and it was it was such a relief, Shay. Uh, for me, episode four was really a relief. How about you? I agree. Episode four was really what made me 
start to like the show a lot more. And also, like you said, made me realize that this show was kind of what I thought it was going to be. But it just took took three episodes to kind of realize that. I'll say two and a half since halfway through three, we kind of got that. But this was definitely, like you said, definitely a tone shift. And there was definitely moments where it just had you enraptured because you did not know what was going to happen next. And I like the show again because at first I was debating dropping it because I was like, I don't know if I should continue this. We were debating dropping the show on the podcast. I think yes. Cody and I were, were when we did our little sidebar, we were both kind of like, man, this is starting to give me some serious prison school feels. What do you want to do? And episode four, it's it's really redeemed itself. We see Hibiki really coming into his own uh, and really taking control of the series. And that's really cool. Sometimes in an anime, you need your main character to struggle a little bit to get to where he needs to be, and that's okay. And in the case of Hibiki, it seems like we're getting there, which is cool. Uh, what do you think, Shay? I think the fact that it took Hibiki a while to get there and he had to get beat up and suffer a little bit, I think that will be better for him in the long run. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that was something that he kind of needed to go through to kind of grow up a little bit or a lot. And I think that also has something to say with kind of what they were saying overall with the, with the, with the content of the show in general, because it does deal with like internet and youth being addicted to it. And so in a way it kind of shows that mentality because he probably didn't grow up because he's on the internet all the time and playing games. And so to go into a very serious situation, it would take anybody maybe a little bit of time to realize that this isn't a game. This is completely for real. I have to be completely serious about this. And it probably took some humbling experience with him seeing his roommates, how they were to realize that if he wants to survive, he's going to have to play the game. And then also we got to find out that he's a warrior class. While mm-hmm. all of his his dorm mates were like mages or or healers, and he was the only warrior, so he ended up being the guy that would fight just by default. Because I guess it turned out that they were all seriously addicted to the internet, and they only knew how to act in one way. That that was the one bit of comic relief that I really did appreciate when they were all about to try and attack him, but then they stopped because none of them knew how to fight. That was funny. That was funny. And yeah, I, I gotta say, episode four of Evil or Live, it was tough to get there, but it's looking like this show might end up being the show we're looking for. And I'm I'm glad we held out for it. So when when we talk about Evil or Live again, here's hoping that we're still in a really good place. Uh up next is King's Game, episodes three and four. Uh, episode three was called Friendship Melting Emotion. Shay, I've got to tell you, one thing that I'm really liking about King's Game is that there's never a dull moment. It always feels like every scene or every piece of the story, something is important. And I'm liking that so far, how everything that happens feels significant. You know something important is going to happen. And... We get a little bit of backstory as to why our main character, Nobuaki, knows what the King's Game is in these two episodes. And I really, I really appreciated how intense episode three felt. How about you? Yeah, I agree. Episode three was super intense because you have this standoff between Nobuaki and his entire class. And you only have one actual individual actually come and kind of stick up for him. Well, two. And but it's kind of like him versus them. That's literally what it is. And they're and him just trying to tell them more about this game that he's played before and that's nothing to play with. And them just kind of not believing him in a lot of ways. Or they're kind of believing him, but then they're also very skeptical considering the fact that he is the only one left from the previous game that he played. 
but we find out why later, or or at least we find yes. out what happened later. We do. We um, find out a lot of things that happen later. What did you think of the latest game with the popularity vote? I, I actually thought this was kind of exciting. Well, at the same time, uh, if it seemed like the the girls for the popularity vote were like still not taking it too seriously, which was kind of weird. Uh, until the the twist ending that the twist ending was was wild with the popularity mm-hmm. vote i thought the popularity vote contest was very very it just had me on the edge of my seat the entire time i was watching it just because of the fact of the tactics that people were going through to try and get the person they wanted more votes or to ensure that they had more votes. And like you said before, it did seem like a little bit that the girls weren't taking it seriously, but I feel like they, like, I feel like they were, but I feel like it was also the strange tactic or strange thing of what happens to the person who loses this popularity contest as well. And it kind of was very reminiscent or it kind of reminds you of like any contest you have in school where it's determined by votes, whether it's voting for class president or however, and you have that person that's campaigning for themselves and is using whatever tactic they can think of to try and get the most votes. But definitely that twist ending is what had me because it wasn't what I expected. And then I kind of felt bad because it was like, I feel so bad for the characters because they were all thinking one thing was going to happen and then something completely different happened. And it resulted in a terrible, terrible loss. Really? It really did. Um, Kana, the, the one that lost, and she freaked out, understandably. And, mm-hmm. well, uh, she jumps out of a window. Uh, and then it turns out, that her punishment was nowhere near that severe. That was crazy. That that was really, mm-hmm. really crazy. And like I said, I'm really enjoying how everything in the King's game feels high stakes. I, I like when things in anime feel important. Uh, I will say one one moment in this episode. Um, we saw Natsuko, the, the girl from the beginning, the, the girl who suddenly turned twisted and crazy. She got slapped in the face by Nobuaki's friend Kenta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gotta say, uh, f- as bad as this sounds for me, and I'm sorry, everybody, at me, just call me DJM, I'm sorry. Uh, I gotta think, she kind of had had that coming so far. With the way she's been in this series, she kind of had that coming. Just my opinion, Shay. My bad person. No, because I feel like she had it coming too. Because she was trying to get Nobuaki killed at the beginning. Okay. Yes, she so was. So it's kind of like you gotta like, and he just basically he slapped some sense into her, or at least tried to. But she was also very, very manipulative because she tried to turn the entire class on Nobuaki. Or granted, she did turn the entire class on Nobuaki. And I'm just glad that someone saw through it. That that made me happy. I'm, I'm glad two people saw through it. Because it was Kenta and then also the other girl. Agreed. Basically kind of saw through it. Episode four. Uh, this one was called Hades. Nobuaki, Kenta, and Mizuki leave for the abandoned village where the first King's Game took place. On the trip, Nobuaki tells them what happened when he theorized the king was a member of his old class. Now, if, if Cody and I were here, we would be looking at this saying, oh, God, it's a game where people die in an abandoned village. Are you sure we're not watching The Lost Village again? <laughs> because once again, this is reminiscent of another anime we watched. I'm starting to worry just about the fact that anime is really repeating itself. But this was a backstory episode, and once again at the fourth episode, we really got some insight. So I'm I'm happy about that. Four episodes. It took four, but we got there. And mm-hmm. in Nobuaki's first class uh, with the King's Game, they tried to find out who the King was. Nobuaki's old friend, Nami, got a message to do something and it would be taken as a, a 
order from the king. And her idea was to touch the king because they believe that it was someone in their class. Uh, Shay, what did you think of this episode? I found this episode to be very, very sad, but also like, I kind of knew that the tactic that Nami took was not going to work. And, but it was still a very sad episode though to watch, especially you're watching this episode knowing the character's going to fail. And that's the hardest part was you knew what was going to happen and there was nothing you could do about it. It was a matter of the question of how it was going to happen. Because yeah. when we when we find out that it didn't work and we find out th- this other character, uh Rhea, I believe her name was. Rhea. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I'm I'm gonna admit I hope we see more of her because I feel like Rhea should be a big plot point. Uh and Nami was a sad, lovely character. Um, but I, I feel like her and Nobuaki, they they kind of acted a little, I'm not going to say immature, but I think at times they acted a little extreme because in the be- when it didn't work, when they tried to discover who the king was, it didn't work. And... It ended up with Nami, uh, Nami's punishment being eternal darkness. And it ended up with Nami going blind. And then, later on, Nami said, I don't think I can deal with being blind. And to me, that was kind of like, well, that's, that's kind of extreme. Because here's mm-hmm. Nobuaki confessing to Nami more or less. And that was another thing, Shay, that really kind of bugged me about this episode is that neither of them really confessed to one another. And I think that if they did that, that probably would have solved some problems. How about you? Um, I think for me, I took a little bit differently. I think, I think with Nami, she couldn't take with being blind. And I, I for me, that was a little bit overdramatic, but I feel like it would have been different if she hadn't have known what his order was that came in next. And I think that's kind of what solidified her decision with her deciding to do what she did because he would remember Nobuaki would not tell her what his order was. And he lied and said that he did not receive one. And that it was not for him that came in, but it was. And she called someone else and they told her what it was. And then that was to me when she really started to freak out because then she thought that was for her, um, that that was the only way that the order that his order would be completed is by her doing what she did. But I feel like he was not going to confess to Nami because he already had a girlfriend, I can understand that, but at the same yeah. time, he was he was on the phone with her when she disappeared. Like, where were you? I was worried sick about you. And then she asked him, like, am I important to you? And he was like, yes, of course I'm, you're important to me. I've been looking all over for you. Where the hell are you? And, mm-hmm. like, it, it was clear that I think they both knew what what was going to happen which is why he was saying why he was at his home smashing all of his possessions. Like, no, don't you do anything stupid. I'm just going to try and smash all of the things that I own that are important to me. So you don't have to do anything crazy to his credit. Nobuaki was thinking of an alternative, but unfortunately in the end it wasn't enough, which was really sad. Yeah, that was really sad. And I feel like he hid it from her. It was kind of those weird things that, you know, I think everyone has done where they hide something from some they hide something from someone that they that they care about. But that only makes it worse. But the reason why they hide it is because they're afraid of what will happen if they tell them. 
So I think he had a weird way of hiding what his actual order was for fear that she would do what she did. But like you said, I think if he probably would have said something to her, what it was and told her that he was going to find a workaround for it or find a way around it, that it would have, that maybe she would have, you know, survived. But I feel like the biggest. I feel like that—that's the thing that that bugged me about that was that it mm-hmm. seemed like he was trying to find a way to work out of it, but Nami, to a certain degree, she really wasn't listening. I think that's yeah. the thing that bugged me about it. Yeah, and I also think that in a strange way, I feel like they—you don't really know whether or not what she did actually worked and was why it said order confirmed or like order like like he did it because remember he was on the phone with his girlfriend breaking up with her or trying to break up with her and i know his girlfriend was also very important to her important to him so it's hard for me to figure out in some ways whether him breaking up with his girlfriend made the order confirmed or was it his friend? Like that's that for me was probably one of the most confusing things because it never really showed when he received it. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of like with the girl when she, when she jumped out the window, whereas it was taken too literal that she thought that, you know, with her losing the popularity contest, she was going to die. But in reality, that was not the case. She just got a whole nother order about what she was supposed to do. And that turned into a whole nother chain of events. But I feel like with this one, it might've been the same thing where they are automatically thinking that if they lose a contest, that they're automatically going to die. When in reality, no, you'll probably have a punishment, but it doesn't mean death. And I feel like just like with the Nami's case, when she couldn't touch the king, her punishment was not death. Her punishment was her losing her eyesight. And that doesn't mean that just because he received an order that he was going to lose something important to him, that he has to lose something important to him. It doesn't mean her. It could have meant his girlfriend and them breaking up. And that's why in some ways you don't know for sure whether or not Nami's death was what actually caused the order to be confirmed. And I feel like that was one thing that made it very, very overdramatic. Very sad, yes, but also very overdramatic. And I think it's kind of up to you as the viewer to kind of interpret which one do you think actually caused his order to be confirmed? The death of Nami or him breaking up with his girlfriend? Even though his girlfriend did not understand what was going on at all. But you also know his girlfriend was very important to him and to me, that was realized in the previous episode, in episode three, when his girlfriend had to do something that he really didn't want her to do, but she had to do it. Do you think we'll see Rhea again? Oh, definitely. Because especially when you had the classroom scene where she does kind of that speech about the king being someone in the room and her making that speech and everyone automatically thinking or her saying that she, I think she said that she was the king, I think. And everyone definitely thinking that was her. And then if it wasn't her, then, you know, that kind of turned everything upside down. But also with her reappearing at the end of the episode and basically calling him stupid, that that shows me that to me, she knows more than she's letting on. And I feel like she might be very similar to how Nobuaki is now and be someone who's already played it before. And might be of some help to Nobuaki and to the class. Hopefully. Because right yeah. now, as it stands, we sit with 10 currently dead and 22 remaining. Yeah, I think Rhea very much so reminds me of the character in Battle Royale who helps out the two main characters. And he was the one that's played the game before. And so to me, Rhea reminds me very, very much of that character at this present moment. I don't know a lot about her, so I don't know if she's going to be a good help or a bad help or just no help at all. But right now, she is giving me those vibes of very similar to that character in Battle Royale, whom knew a whole lot about the game since they played it, since this individual had played it before and was also a huge help to two of the the main characters. 
here's hoping. Here's hoping we Rhea does come back because I think we're we're at the point where we need a little bit more explanation as to what's happening in King's Game. I, I agree. <laughs> okay, all three shows I'd say are all in a very good direction. And yeah, as I said, sometimes it takes four episodes, guys. And I think Evil or Live and King's Game have really kicked into a high gear, and, and I'm pleased. Uh, Shay, how are you feeling so far with our three anime? I'm feeling good about the three. It's taking me a little bit to get into Kino, just because I wasn't very familiar with it. But it's coming along, and I think the one I'm most excited about, though, hands down, has to be King's Game. It's had me since the beginning, so that's the one I'm most excited about. I think right now I'm most excited about Evil or Live, because... It took such a turn f- dramatically from one direction to another. That's got my attention. So I'm, I'm interested. So yeah. we'll talk about those on the next episode of It's In Season. Shay, tell everybody what you've got going on. Well, of course, I still have my YouTube channel going on. I plan to have a new video out on Saturday. And that video will also be a review of the manga ldk which i have been reading and it'll probably be on volumes 8 through 10 once i once i finish volume 10 and then continue on from there i'll probably have a few other blog posts out i'll try to have a blog post out tomorrow probably on thor ragnarok because i watched that movie too and yeah that's what i have going on and everybody, make sure you search for shay Tree s-h-a-y-t-a-r-e-e Make sure you subscribe to It's In Season and iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and wherever all podcasts can be aggregated. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a like. Give us whatever positivity the internet allows you to give. And follow Shay on Twitter at Shay underscore Tari. And, and subscribe to her channel and give her a thumbs up. Thumb, thumb up her videos because she, she's very good. She, she reviews all the things and, and they're very good in my opinion, but I'm totally biased. Thanks so much for listening to it. Oh, absolutely, Shay. Thanks for listening to It's In Season, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.